Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 473. The reward of a job well done is having it done well. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Andrew Foisel. Drew, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready for a fun ride today, Mark. All right. Well, I have a feeling, I don't know if I'm going to be as much fun as flying into space, but I'm going to do my best to give you a little bit of fun here on Cars, yeah. We could change the name to Space Yeah, but that's probably already taken by NASA or something. Maybe the next series. Maybe so, yeah. Dr. Andrew Feustel is a NASA astronaut and mission specialist whose passion early in life to wrench on cars came full circle when he flew on board the space shuttle Atlantis. He spent 13 days in space improving the Hubble Space Telescope's observatory capabilities, removing things like frozen bolts, strip screws, and stuck handrails. Now, think about that, listeners. Can you imagine, it's hard enough in the garage to do that stuff, but flying around in space, oh my gosh. Then he flew on Space Shuttle Endeavor's final mission to the International Space Station, and Andrew served as the lead spacewalker, delivering the Alpha Magnetic Spectrometer, a cosmic ray particle physics detector that examines fundamental issues about matter and the origin and structure of the universe. And here's an interesting side note. Drew is the 473rd person to go into outer space. And he's the 473rd guest here on Cars Yeah. So, Drew, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Sure, Mark. Thanks for the introduction and uh, thanks for our, uh, the opportunity to uh, spend some time with you on the show today. You're welcome. You know, I grew up in the Motor City. And uh, any, I think anybody who grows up in Detroit or the Detroit area, especially what I did in the early 70s, is, uh, has an affiliation with the automotive industry. Both my father and uncle were Ford uh, Motor Company engineers. And so at an early stage in life, I was interested in cars and mechanics. And uh, I can still remember back when I was about five years old, watching my uh, father and uncle work on a a go-kart that they raced in the Purdue Grand Prix back in the uh, mid-1960s. In fact, my uncle won the race in 1965. Wow. And that was the time when 
automotive and cars and race cars and little things like go-karts uh, really fascinated me. And I dreamed about, you know, driving them and working on them and watching people fix them. Uh, it was really something that interested me. So that's kind of what got me started into this whole business of working with tools, working with my hands. And uh, it's something that's followed me my whole life. Um, I spent some time working as a professional mechanic and automotive restorer uh, after high school before I went off to uh, university. Mm-hmm. And again, it's something that's just followed me. I still work on cars today. And, and it's really, you know, I'm a scientist. I'm actually trained as a geophysicist and I worked in the oil and gas industry and the mining industry. I can tell you that those are the things, those academic credentials and those skills, scientific skills are probably what got me into the astronaut corps. But I also believe that my skills as a mechanic have really helped me in the work that I do and the experiences I've had uh, as an astronaut working in space. Well, I love this correlation because I'm sure some of our listeners, when I first introduce you, you're going, he's having an astronaut on cars? Yeah, what the heck does that have to do with with cars? But I love that tie-in. So for those entrepreneurs or those young folks listening out there, you never know where your skills under a hood can take you, right? This is very true. I never knew. Uh, I can tell you now, but I never had any idea that uh, those skills were going to serve me as well as they have uh, in this career. It's fantastic. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Andrew, take the wheel. Well, you know, I don't know if this is as much of a success quote as, as it is something to uh, keep me grounded and uh, and maintain perspective, but it's something I tell myself and something I've told my kids is that um, the reward of a job well done is having it done well. You know, that sort of helps to manage expectations and also set the bit that if you're going to do something, you really need to do it right and take the time to do it right. Nobody's probably going to be there to pat you on the back. Um, you've got to do that yourself and uh, and take stock in your own work and value that. And uh, that's just one of the sayings that I live by and try to share with others uh, to sort of keep them going and uh, keep them keep them well-founded. It's a great quote. And definitely with what you guys do in space, things are critical. They have to be done right. This is true. We, we don't have a lot of margin for error. And, uh, well, that's why we practice as much as we do. Absolutely. Could you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You, you uh, shared those times with your dad and family when you were a kid and living in Detroit. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? You know, for me, as I said, I grew up with it. And I didn't realize that I was different than my peers, especially not in Detroit, because most of my friends from Detroit that I still have and hang out with are still car people. And and a lot of those uh, individuals are great with wrenches and, and know what they're doing with cars. You know, and when you grow up in Detroit, where, which is the Motor City, it's, I think it's different than mid, Midwestern states because, you know, we have salt and we have rust and it really ruins cars. But what's unique about Detroit is that's where the cars come from. So people really make great efforts to keep those cars, you know, working in spite of the challenges of the weather and the uh, and the issues that the climate can create. So we were all doing the same sorts of things. And I don't know that I ever realized I was a car guy as much as that we were all car guys. It wasn't until I sort of moved away and recognized that, hey, I was the only one with, you know, two cars in my garage and pulling the motor one weekend and putting in a clutch the next and, you know, dragging these things around the country everywhere I went. So I, th- I think it just grew on me. It grew with me. And, and it was because, because of my association with, uh, with that state at an early age 
uh, with the state of Michigan and, the, and Detroit was just something that came natural. It was part of my life. I've had several guests who grew up in the Motor City, and they've said exactly the same thing. Yeah. You go down the street as a kid, and every garage had some special car in it with the door open on the weekend, somebody working on it, a cool car going down the drag strips, or, or down the street, I should say. Yeah. Not a drag strip. You or the, well, sometimes a drag <laughs> strip. Sometimes yeah. a drag strip. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Drew, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down. You've also flown off into space twice now. Hopefully, you'll be going back out in space sometime. But I'd love for you to share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career, something that really was a challenge, and share that with us. But the most important part of it is how did you overcome that, and what did it teach you? That's a really good question, and it's something that I've had. These are discussions I've had an opportunity to have with students because I do spend time talking to um, students and youth around the around the country, even around the world, about my experiences and my path to becoming an astronaut. For me, school and education was a challenge. In high school, I was, you know, distracted and busy doing other things and not as focused focused as I wish I would have been. I spent three years after high school at community college, and that was a great place for me to start. Really, I was there because I wasn't ready for university, but I used that opportunity to learn. I worked as a mechanic at that time as well, so I really built up my skills that sort of apprentice technical work in uh, automotive mechanics and, and, uh, and related subjects. And so for me, it was about education, and that was a challenge for me and really trying to stay focused and, and get, really get my act together and, and get in a, on the right path. I Community college allowed me to explore the different possibilities and the areas where I thought I could do well and then and then go off to university and pursue them uh, for higher education degrees. And so that's something I like to focus on with kids and, and other listeners. And obviously, the whole country is sort of focused on that right now, and we have been for several years. But but it's really important, and um, it's, it's something that we can't say enough to uh, – to our kids and the youth about, you know, stay focused, stay in school and, and really think about what you're doing with your life. It's good to have fun and enjoy the times you have, but there's more to it than that. And it's, and it's nice to think about it early if you can. I really appreciate you sharing a very personal story because for a lot of folks, young people, they get out of high school and they're hearing all this message about you got to go to college, you got to go to four year school, you got to make these decisions. And a lot of people aren't ready at that age, 17, 18 years old. You're so young. And the fact that you took the time to kind of explore, train, learn, and learn a craft, a physical craft of working on cars, wrenching on cars, which uh, my dad always said, you know, have something that you can fall back on that you can actually do with your hands versus just yeah. the educational part, which of course education is important. But great story. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a, a career aha moment. I like to say it's when the headlights come on or maybe the, the sun kind of comes over the crest of the earth as you're out there in space <laughs> and kind of illuminates your way for this new direction, this new idea you have. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, you know, my life has sort of a long story behind it. and I'm not going to tell the whole thing now, but um, honestly, I, I will have to – I'll. I try to get some brownie points here and, and give my wife credit for uh, getting to me, getting me to where I am today. And uh, hopefully some of the listeners that you have are folks that know me and have maybe met my wife, a very tenacious person, very driven. And, and she was really the one that was pivotal in my life and sort of helping me focus on what I really wanted to do, what my path was going to be moving forward. 
Um, I was always interested in space exploration and space travel. I grew up watching the Jetsons and Lost <laughs> in Space and Star Trek. And those things were inspirational to me. Even though they were just TV shows and cartoons, I thought, you know, when, when I grow up, my generation will be going to space and it's something that we're all going to do as humans and I can see how that future can exist for us now. So in a sense, I came, became an astronaut thinking I was going to be George Jetson, but really I'm Fred Flintstone. You know, we're at the, <laughs> we're the infancy of the space program and we're just getting started. I really was inspired by those things and, it, and my wife, it really helped me to focus and, um, really pay attention to what I was doing in school and university and, and, uh, and do well enough to continue on to advance studies. So aha moments, maybe not. Again, I was inspired through my life and was and had that interest, you know, that um, subconscious driver that was back there always moving me in this direction. And I, I never knew at the time how I was going to get to the end game, but I can look back now and put all the pieces of the puzzle together, you know, drop, throw the, put the arrow through all the pieces of Swiss cheese to realize how everything lined up just right to allow me to be where I am today. Well, you know, I think the takeaway from that, uh, number one, I've had many guests you've talked about having a spouse that was so supportive, that really helped them achieve the things they wanted to achieve in life. And and what that comes back to for me, and it's probably something you share with the students and the young people you talk to, is you are the culmination of people you surround yourself with. And if you surround yourself with positive people, people that push you, in the case of my wife, she's way smarter than I am. My mom said, marry a woman who's Mine too. <laughs> smarter than you and will push you. You know, you don't want to play tennis with a a little kid, you want to play with uh, Agassiz. That's right. If you always want, play up, That's always right. play up. So, uh, great, another golden nugget there for our listeners out there who are, are learning by listening to Cars Yeah today. Let's talk a little bit about proudest career moment. I would assume you've had many with all the things you've achieved in your life, but is there one in particular that stands out you'd share with us? Yeah, there's one moment that stands out in my mind, and that is the day on my first spacewalk, my first trip to space, when I got that stuck bolt off of the Hubble Space Telescope, my <laughs> my first foray into space as a rookie, somebody had the great idea to send the rookie out on the very first objective of the mission. We had five spacewalks, five days of spacewalking, and the first task was to remove the most expensive and important piece of the mission from the telescope, and this was the wide field camera. It's a $132 million piece of equipment, Ooh. and it was held on by one single 716th bolt. Long bolt, but the 716th had bolt, and um, they sent me out. It was the first thing I did in space. I, you know, went to space as a rookie, put on my spacesuit, went outside, and, you know, went up to this bolt and tried to remove it, and it was stuck. It was stuck in place. Oh, and that, wow. That was sort of the most depressing moment of my life. Like, <laughs> I've waited my whole life to be here. Here I am. Here's this bolt. The bolt's stuck. Now what am I going to do? Yeah. Eventually, with a little more elbow grease, a little more muscle, and, a, and I think a little bit of understanding on my part of what was going to happen next and uh, coordination with the ground teams, we applied more and more force until, you know, the bolt finally came free. It really wasn't anything that I did in particular. I would just happen to be the guy holding the wrench. But that was, it was a very important moment in my life to realize that I had succeeded in that, you know, that very first step and the rest could, you know, proceed on from there. But it was a little scary, a little touch and go for a while there. Oh, my gosh. And I'm sitting here, you know, and all the listeners at Cars Yeah who love to wrench and work on cars have had that experience of trying to get that one bolt off, that nut, that lug nut that won't let go. And, okay, next time that happens to you, listeners, think about what Drew just shared. Your <laughs> first flight in space, your first walk, and how much was that camera worth? 
$132 million. It was the, it was the primary objective of the Hubble repair mission. Oh my gosh. So I'm not sure whose idea was to send me out there to do it, but somebody may have not thought that one through all the way. That's called trial by fire, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> what a story. Fantastic. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? And maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle. Well, my first special car was my first car, and that was a 1967 Mustang convertible. Nice. And I received that car when I was 14 and a half years old, too young to drive it. That car had wood in the floorboards because they were completely rotted out. You know, it was a Mustang in Michigan, driven through many, many winters. That was the first car that I restored starting at the age of 14 and a half. So um, we were fortunate. We lived in a house that had a, a garage under the basement, which now that I'm a an adult mechanic and knowing the things that I do in my garage and the things I did in that garage, I would never have a car underneath my house uh, to restore it, given the hazards associated with that. But (laughs) 67 Mustang, and uh, I disassembled that car. It took me five years to put it back together, but that was the first time that I pulled something apart, and it was um, a great car. I loved having it, and um, it'll you know one of the fondest vehicles that I've ever had. And I think every time I see one, I think about that car, that one that I had, that '67 convertible. Yeah. And when I sold it, it didn't have wood in the floorboards; it had real floorboards. You know, <laughs> welded it all back together. Very cool. Oh, awesome cars! I had a '66 uh, GT350 Shelby. It oh. Was, it was a clone. But uh, those old Mustangs are really special. And I don't know if you found this, but you know when you go to the gas station. Everybody wants to talk to you because everyone loves a Mustang, right? Yeah. Yeah. Still the case. Very cool. Well, let me go down the the trail of tears side of this question, and this has to do with seller's remorse. Is there a vehicle that you've let go that you really wish you had back in your garage? You know, I thought about that a little bit earlier today, and I thought I'd like to have every car I've ever sold (laughs) back in my garage. Yeah. But my garage isn't big enough, so I've uh, come to terms with this notion of, like a lot of us do that are car owners, of uh, you know buying them. For me, I, I buy them, I fix them up, I you know do what that needs to be done to them and drive them for a while and eventually let them go. There's a few cars that now, more recently, I'll probably keep some of the things I have right now. I, I liked them all. You know, they were they were great cars. The um, the '68 Volkswagen Westphalia van was probably okay that that one's gone. <laughs> Um, it was a neat van. I had a lot of fun with it, but probably don't need that one around still. But there's yeah. been some other special cars that I'd, I'd love to have them all back if I had the room and the time to drive them. That's sure. the real challenge. Well, of course. Well, if we had to narrow it down to one, is there one that just pops into your head that as you're mulling over all these great cars that you just go, oh, yeah, that one? Mm. Well, you know, I would just have to say the Mustang. It, probably the best one should be the first one. So yeah, yeah. Probably that one. Very cool. Let's talk about current projects. What are you working on today that really has you excited and fired up? In terms of cars? Well, this this could be cars or this could be uh, rockets and space flights and walks yeah. in space. Yeah. Well, the, you know, the, the career part's pretty straightforward. It's, uh, you know, we are supporting human space flight and uh, our job when we're not flying in space is to support those who are flying in space and getting ready to fly. And that's a uh, that's a full-time, uh, you know, federal job that uh, keeps me busy, and it's kept me busy for the last 15 years. So, you know, for the purposes of your show, let's say that's kind of the boring side of it, or maybe <laughs> it's the exciting side because everybody hears about cars otherwise. But 
projects in the garage right now. I just finished a 1972 BMW Bavaria. Ooh, nice. Two-year full restoration, nuts and bolts, rotisserie, everything, you know, the whole nine yards. Cool. I finished that in um, Wimbledon. No, it's not Wimbledon White. Chamonix, but I actually, so it's off-white BMW color. Right. And uh, changed the interior from a dark blue to sort of a cardinal red. So I'm really happy about that car. And then sitting next to that car in the, in the stall in my garage is a chassis in primer, and it's a 73 BMW 3.0 CS. Ooh, nice. And that's a great car, and I'm looking forward to spending the next, you know, couple of years uh, getting that thing back up to speed and uh, slowly putting it together. And I think these two cars I'll probably keep for a while because I really like them. I just, you know, the engineering is fantastic, and they're I'm proud to say that they're well done. They're clean cars, and, and when you get them that good, it's nice to keep them for a while. You know, one of my good friends and a Car Show listener, his name's Bill, and he just uh, purchased a beautiful uh, early 70s CS, the non-injected model from Germany. And wow. so if you need any tips or tricks, I'll uh, I'll connect you with Bill, and uh, he can give you some pictures or things of his car because it's a, it's a survivor car. It's yeah. an all-original, perfect car. I mean, it's absolutely stunning, and I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. So we'll have to connect you guys as you put that thing back together. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, there's, you know, the nice thing about the, the Internet, of course, is that there's so many resources out there, not like when I did my Mustang at the age of 14. <laughs> yes. You know, nowadays, you've got pretty much everything at your fingertip, and there's some great forums out online, and I use those as resources like a lot of folks do to um, – share ideas and, you know, really get the information and the parts that you need to put these cars back together and keep them running well. Yeah, when I was in high school, I had a VW Carmen Ghia, 67 Ghia, and I remember I had that Volkswagen for Dummies book. Yeah. I still have a copy of it with all its torn and greasy pages from looking through that and learning how to put that car back together when I restored it. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Drew. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? I thought about that question a little (laughs) earlier, too, and I... Couldn't come up with a good answer because, you know, one of the problems I have, which is a good problem to have, is that I fall in love with a lot of cars constantly. And I, you know, I, I think I find value in just about any vehicle. I don't, I don't limit myself to one mark. And um, I've had a lot of different cars, uh, a lot of different brands. And so I can't tell you that there's a car that I want to be or that I would want to be because I I feel like I'm a bit of a chameleon when it comes to cars and that something catches my fancy and I see value in it and and I I just want to own it and that's a good thing. So I'm not going to say that there's one car I want to be. I really, you know, the cars that I really like are, um, well, you talked a little bit about it, like the LMPs, the uh, prototype race cars. You know, right. some of those are really beautiful. I like the full-bodied cars, and I think they're just really stunning. Some it's of those the sports racers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very cool. Well, you know, part of this question has to do with not so much what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a car manifested yeah. into a car. So yeah. I'm thinking a guy that flies into space that goes from zero to what, 1,700 miles per hour? 17,000. miles per hour. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. yeah so, a lot faster. You know, a lot faster. Yeah, maybe a dragster of some kind. But, maybe. you know, those sports racers go pretty darn fast from zero to 100. So, yeah. You were telling me in our pre-show chat that you guys are going 100 miles an hour before you clear the tower yeah. when you take off. So, uh, very cool. Well, I, I would expect you to be some kind of a vehicle that moves in a fast trajectory at the yeah. very least. So, 
All right, good. Well, Andrew, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom-patterned vehicle covers, and they're crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Andrew, we are back and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'll try. I'm not very good at it, but we'll give it a try. <laughs> well, this is Command Central talking right. to you, okay, from Cars Yeah Command Central. So what's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Spend the money ahead of time on work that somebody else has already done. Absolutely. Buy that car that's already been restored. Don't do it yourself. Although I never, I never follow that advice. I was just going to say, I don't think you're following your own advice there. Not doing a good job. <laughs> that's okay. You're having fun. That's important. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Sure. Attention to detail and really uh, uh, something I tell myself frequently when I'm, when I'm working in the garage is uh, everything I'm doing right now has to be done and therefore it's worth doing. You know, sometimes there's a big laundry list of things to get done and and I think two thing, one of two things happen and this is often the cause of a stalled restoration. People either, you know, become overwhelmed with the list of things to do so they just stop working on it or they skip the little details and go on to the, the low-hanging fruit and then the little good things never get done. So yeah. the point is put everything on the list and do everything on the list. Doesn't matter how trivial it is, it all needs to be done at some point or another and eventually you get through the list and you get everything done and you get it done right. You know, I had another guest on the show uh, last year that said if you've got a restoration that you're starting to feel overwhelmed, go out and do just one thing at least yeah. every day. One little thing. It doesn't have to be a grand thing, but much akin to your and of course coming from being a guy that flies into space, I mean, I can only imagine the list I saw in one of your pictures is you, you had like a football player, a quarterback, a little yeah. play card on your wrist that you pop open to 
yeah. follow the list. So very important. Yep. Listen to that, Cars Yeah listeners. How about a resource? I know there's a lot of great ones out there, but is there one in particular you really enjoy? You know, right now I'm working on uh, on the BMWs, and there's a forum online called the E9 Forum. So all the BMW folks are already going to be familiar with something like that. And every automotive enthusiast and every mark really typically has their own forum anyways. And um, so for me, those are the resources of choice are just getting online and really forming those relationships with other folks that uh, share those same interests because people are um, just been fantastic about sharing ideas and it's helpful to everybody else who's just starting out and it's helpful to veterans as well that are just looking to bounce ideas off others and make sure they're doing things right. Yeah, forums are awesome. Awesome. So Drew, is there a book that you've read that you could share with our listeners you think is really great? Well, let's see. I'll, I don't know if the question's coming about my favorite car or what oh car yeah that one's coming that one's coming so i don't want to give a pl- i really don't want to give a plug for any books i i enjoy reading um i usually rely on my wife to supply books to me uh-huh. uh you know occasionally hand those off keep my mind uh, busy in the evenings when i have time so i guess i'd say i don't have a specific book to plug there's certainly a lot of great automotives books that um, relate to very unique vehicles and mm-hmm. um, i like to read those occasionally especially the cars that i'm particularly interested in all right, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyeah.com slash Andrew Feustel. And Andrew's, Drew, as we call him, his last name is spelled F-E-U-S-T-E-L. Great German name so for a guy who likes uh, some German cars in his garage right. right now. So, All right, we are up to that checkered flag question here. It's a real doozy, Andrew. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today... I've got an unlimited budget, no restrictions, nothing. I'm going to buy you whatever you'd like. What would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? Well, Mark, I'm glad you said there was no budgetary constraints. Uh-oh. Here we go. <laughs> the car I want, I would, the car I will own one day, because I will one day own one of these cars, is the uh, a Lamborghini Miura SV. Ooh. And uh, that car is a 71, 72 model vehicle. There's something about those cars, and I remember that car from when I was a kid, and I've just always felt that that car has the perfect proportions of what my, you know, my brain sees as a sports car, the, right. the perfect full-bodied sports car. It's, uh, it's low, it's sleek, it's sexy. To me, it's a little masculine, but has some nice, soft, smooth lines on it. The interiors in the right colors are just stunning. I haven't owned one, so I also know that, um, you know, it's non-trivial owning one of those cars, and every car comes with its fair share of baggage, and the mirror is no exception. Yeah. Uh, but to me, it's just a beautiful, stunning, perfectly proportioned vehicle, and I would, uh, you know, I look forward to the day that I've got one hidden away in my garage, but running so that I can drive it whenever I want to. Do you have a favorite color for that car? Because they came in some pretty crazy colors. You know what? I like the orange. I like that orange Lamborghini orange, and I'm sure there's a there's a special name for that color, and I don't know what it is, but that's the color I like. I like to see it in orange. Well, you've chosen an awesome car. You know, I have an awesome book on my shelf. I've got a lot of books, and our listeners know that I'm really into books, and it's uh, Joe Sackey's book, The Lamborghini Mira Bible, that you may be aware of. It's a wonderful book for people that love that car. I'll kind of throw a pitch out there for that book because it it really is the consummate book for that car. But you know what's very interesting is 
This morning I interviewed another guest who people will recognize, Adam Carolla. And when I asked him this question, that's the car he chose. You're kidding. Okay, I didn't know. Yeah, that's amazing. Isn't that funny that I have two guys I'm recording on the same day? Of course, my shows go live later, and they both chose the same. Now i got to go buy two of those cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Adam and I can go with happies on it. It'll okay. Make it a little more affordable that way. Okay. Well, the prices have gone crazy on these cars. Yeah, well, I appreciate you sharing that. I'll give him a call and see if he's willing to share. Yeah. <laughs> share that. Tell him I need a loan for my half. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, I'll let him know. I'll let him know. Well, Drew, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your amazing journey from Earth to space and back again with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset or into space in that Lamborghini Miura SV? Uh, sure, Mark. Hey, thanks for your time today. Um, it's been a better pleasure for me to be here, and uh, this is a unique opportunity for me to reach out to a community that I don't normally get to speak with. So thanks to your listeners for uh, tuning in. Um, I hope I've shared some enlightening and interesting stories with them about how space and, and tools and mechanics uh, kind of all go together in my world. And um, I feel lucky to have this opportunity. I hope that in the discussions we've had today, we've actually gotten some folks maybe interested in what's going on with space and space exploration, and it will give uh, them and maybe their children uh, incentives to go and pay more attention to what we're doing and get excited about what the future holds for all of us. So well, thanks for Oh, you're welcome. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And I'll tell you, I'm really proud of what you, all you guys there are doing. It's absolutely phenomenal. And the, the, we talked about resources these days where you can go online. I mean, you can go and see very clear pictures of you guys up there in space talking to us. And it's just absolutely phenomenal. So kudos to you and the entire NASA team for everything you do. I knew it's a huge amount of work. What's the best way? You mentioned our listeners learning more about what you're doing and what NASA is doing. What's the best way for them to learn about the space program? Well, NASA.gov is our primary website, and there's all kinds of uh, resources available there to learn about uh, the space station, the uh, commercial crew vehicles that we're building, and the uh, crew exploration spacecraft, the Orion, that uh, we hope to take out to, uh, you know, past low Earth orbit onto asteroids, the moon, and eventually onto Mars. So a lot of neat things happening. This is a uh, NASA just closed its, uh, its, its astronaut application process, and this is our I don't remember which cycle is it, our 24th cycle of selection or something along those lines. But we've had for this cycle something like 18,700 applicants. And this is the most applicants we've ever had for an astronaut selection class in the history of the space program. Wow. So people are paying attention. We select astronauts about every four to six years. And uh, so for... A mere 10 to 15 opportunities, we've had 18,700 people apply. And um, that's just phenomenal for us. And it means that people are excited about what we're doing. People are interested. The, the, the most we've had ever apply was in the 1970s where we had 8,000 people apply. So it's an order of magnitude. Well, not quite, but significant number of more individuals that are, are trying to get out there and see what we're doing and, and trying to participate. So you know, it's an exciting time with the space program and the human space flight program, and um, we hope that it, uh, it really is going to pave the way for our future. Fantastic. Well, listeners, again, you can go to carsyad.com slash Andrew Voistel, and, or just type 
Andrew into the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up and you can see his show notes, find links to find out more about what NASA is up to and what he's up to. Andrew or Drew, as we call you, our buddies, <laughs> as your friends call you, I want to thank you for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your amazing experiences with the listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you in outer space. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.